0: We've spoken before to British-born journalist, Anna Richards, who had been living and working in Lyon, France, but she disappeared for a while and it turns out she had fallen foul of the Brexit factor when she flew home to Britain to visit family and then could not return to France. She tells Graham Kemlo it is tough dealing with French bureaucrats, but she successfully gained a new visa and returned to find France awash with Rugby World Cup fans from all over the world.
1: Well, it's fabulous to have Anna Richards back on the line. She disappeared from our screens or our microphone for a little while because she got caught up in the Brexit issue. And I thought that was all done and dusted. But Anna, being a citizen of the UK who had been living and working in France went home to the UK and I think then had trouble getting back into France. uh, Anna, lovely to have you there. Give us the shorthand version of what happened to you and, and maybe why.
2: I'll try and give as shorthand a version as possible, but it was quite a long and convoluted process. No, I bet it was, yeah. I think, <laughs> um, essentially, um, I, I think that, that I was probably one of the first people applying for a visa as a freelancer after the Brexit withdrawal, so after the five-year period was up, so I was applying for my first visa at the end of 2021, and it boiled down to that nobody really knew what they were doing. And perhaps naively, I thought that uh, people in the the visa office in London would have known what they were doing and would have, Given quite sound advice about what sort of visa I should be on. But they omitted quite a bit of the information. So I was on a type of visa which worked fine for a year. And to all intents and purposes, I was still, you know, I was still sort of living in the UK but allowed to work in France and pay my taxes in the UK. But what they didn't tell me was that I couldn't renew this visa in France and that I had to validate the visa when I arrived in France. And because it can take a very long time to renew a visa in France, depending on where in the country you are, the waiting list can be really long. I was about five months over my last visa when I finally got an appointment in Lyon, which is known for having the longest waiting time. At which point. With a visa expired by five months, which is fine if you're on the right visa type because they know the wait's so long. Um, But I was then told, no, you can't renew this in France and you'll have to go back to the UK to renew it. Huge complications because I was working on Four different guidebooks at the time, and I was stuck back in the UK for just over a month trying to sort all of the paperwork. And the thing is, no one replies to you. You know, you'll get sort of an automated email demanding documents that don't apply to your situation. You know, documents that you'd have if you were a business owner, for example, because they've just fired out an automated email saying your visa application will be refused if you don't supply this. And then when you try and call them, there's no number, or the number doesn't work. And when you email them to say this doesn't apply to me, no one replies so you're just waiting for a few weeks to see if, <laughs>
0: if the oh. automated system
2: is just going to say nope sorry no visa or whether a human might look at it and say ah oh, yes we've asked for the wrong documentation so it was very stressful and to say that I'm on the right visa type now and it's a visa that I can keep renewing in France so hopefully it'll never happen again but um, Brexit has definitely over Yeah, things.
1: Is there a French word for red tape? I'm
2: sure there is, but I don't know it. You don't know what it is,
1: but they're pretty good at it, are they? The uh, the French bureaucrats
2: they are i mean of all the wonderful wonderful things about living in france uh my least favorite thing by a long way is french admin i think it is known for being a little bit stuck in the dark ages everything has to be printed they require a million paper copies of everything uh, very little is done online um it's it's known for being an incredibly complicated procedure and you know the french will say it as well you know when it comes to renewing their id cards or something like that it's a really long convoluted process for right. a lot of French
1: paperwork Right, and, and that's before you might be wanting to deal with the French language if you're not 100% fluent, yeah?
2: Yeah. And luckily, my my French is, is pretty good now. Um, but the sort of language used for administrative documents is is very different as well. I think that, you know, you probably find this, anyone who's a freelancer sort of in Australia or in the UK, you know, when you're looking through your self-assessment tax documents, the language is, you know, it, it can be quite complicated right. sometimes. So then, you know, you throw that into another language as well. And I was asking, you know, French friends, I was saying, you know, what do I need to supply here? And a lot of the time they'd look blankly at me and say I don't know what they mean here oh. <laughs> so it's, well, it, it was very complicated <laughs> oh
1: well the good news is that you got yourself sorted out and you have indeed yes. returned to uh to Leon although you're back in the UK for a minute just uh, on family business so um now I know when we spoke to you last you were doing some guidebooks did you get those done
2: yeah, I did. So, uh, yes, I filed the manuscript for uh, my first ever full guidebook, which is coming out in March next year, yeah. which is a guide to uh, water sports all over France. Oh, so good. canoeing, paddle boarding and kayaking. It's called Paddling France. You can already print it oh, I love on that. that. Yeah, it's good name. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, So yeah, it's exciting to see that for pre-order already. Um, And I was also working on a couple of Lonely Planet guidebooks this summer, um, and I've been working on a guidebook for DK Eyewitness as well, all in France. I've been running madly around the country, um, and it's been pretty nice to sort of put my feet up in Lyon over the last couple of weeks. And I should be back in Lyon the majority of the time until Christmas now, which is sounding like absolute luxury.
1: Right, right. What what's your favorite time uh, of the year in France?
2: Go it's really difficult to to say because especially in leon the seasons are so pronounced so yeah there's something really lovely to do each season i mean the the winter i used to find a real struggle in the uk because you have warm to warm rain january is flat out depressing <laughs> everything was closed in cornwall and now that i'm in leon you know you can you can hop out to the mountains just for a day and go skiing um but in a way i'd say that this time of year is my favorite in leon autumn time right because, um, the seasons changes the seasons change quite rapidly so you at the moment it's still about 30 degrees in lyon you know people are barbecuing out in the park um it's that you know it's it's hot but it's comfortable and then there'll be quite a sudden switch where it gets a lot colder and it's wine season in lyon basically the wine harvest have just happened yeah next up in lyon and all over france you've got um the Salon des, des Vins et Vignerons which is basically um, all the, the independent winemakers come together and they show off all their wines and you pay 5 euros and you go in and you drink everything that you want and you discover loads of fun new wines and yeah. then that's promptly followed by Beaujolais Nouveau Beaujolais is right by Lyon, so you've got huge parties. Um, you've got uh, wine marathons where you dress up in fancy dress and you go running and you drink wine and, and, and different wine cellars and there's a lot of music and dancing and it's it's really festive. So, yeah, wine wine season, the autumn is, is a really good time. Sounds in France, fantastic. In Lyon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard of some of those things, but the French are kicking up their heels by the sound of it. Oh, they are. They know how to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Now you've re- you've obviously returned back to France at a period when they are hosting the World Cup of rugby, rugby union. Um, is that an obvious uh, is is obvious festivities going on in relation to rugby at the minute?
2: Oh, there's obvious festivities. Yeah, it's, um, there's, what, what I'm very much noticing is there's a lot more Anglophone tourists than usual And Lyon. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot of British accents, Australian accents, South African accents. And also they're all turning up in weird parts of town as well because often, you know, the, the stadiums are a bit further out of the main city. So I'm walking along, you know, some little back street in the middle of nowhere and you suddenly come across a, a great big group of South Africans wearing rugby shirts. Yeah. Um, but there's a real kind of palpable excitement um, France is doing really well as well, so yes. <laughs> that helps. Um, I don't think and- we Aussies
1: are doing so well, so I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if we can recover our situation. I've got a mate over there who's with some other Aussies and uh, a Welshman, and uh, he's got a mix of people in his party, so I think that uh, he's ex-South African, so I mm-hmm. think they've got every uh, code covered and there's probably some oh, kiwis there yes. too because the all blacks <laughs> are probably there are they
2: yeah the all blacks have been staying in lyon um they've actually been training in the main park which is called Parc de la tête d'or which is this great park that has um has kind of an open-air zoo in it so there's actually giraffes oh, in the park okay. the all blacks have been training there so people that i know have seen them just when they're going for their runs and yeah but france beats the all blacks in their sets so that was uh, that was big excitement yeah i bet. Um, yeah, because I don't actually think France have won the Rugby World Cup before, so I think hopes are very high this year.
1: Oh, I thought they'd won it a couple of years ago. Maybe it was soccer, football. No, I th-
2: I th- I'm sure they've won they've won the football a few times. No,
1: maybe that was what I was Rugby confusing World it Cup, with. But I okay. think they may
2: have come to the second place a few times.
1: Yeah, Oh, well that's, uh, well that's great. So when when does that finish up? Is it running through October, is it?
2: Yeah, finals on the 28th of October. I am not too hopeful um, for, to see England in the, in, in the final, to be honest. I think that's a bit of a pipe dream. Right. Um, so I'm keeping fingers and toes crossed for France, and, you know, I'll be in Lyon anyway, so that'll
1: be a good buzz. Right. Obviously,
2: a France-England final would be absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. <laughs> but well, I yes, think it's good
1: rivalry, likely. yeah. Hey, tell me, do yeah. the Scots play rugby?
2: They do. Um, they do. I haven't ever
1: but, heard but of I them. I um,
2: couldn't tell you much about right. Scottish rugby. I, know I they hope do. they don't wear kilts
1: <laughs> to play the rugby. <laughs> that, that, would, that would be a difficulty, I think. I don't think. believe so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
2: know that they play because of the Six Nations. Um, right. okay. But I, I, I don't think they tend to win it. Apologies to any Scottish yeah. listeners.
1: Ah, oh, well, fair enough. It's obviously something that's arisen out of the, the public schools of... Uh, Of the UK and uh, spread across the channel maybe or maybe the other way around. I don't know. Football seems, it's one of those things that has a life of its own almost. Our game down here, I think is a bit of a steal of a few codes from the UK and a little bit of Gaelic and, you know, uh, we put our own twist on it and there you go. We just had our grand finals for both AFL and for Rugby uh, League And I think the AFL got 100,024. That's a big crowd for the Melbourne Cricket Ground. And I think Sydney got 80-odd thousand in the Olympic Stadium up there. So uh, we've had some big crowds here and uh, a lot of excitement. So I imagine that's what you're now seeing in, in France. And a lot of international visitors, obviously.
2: Yes, and I think it's only set to continue really because okay, so we've got, you know, the Rugby World Cup going on for the rest of the month and then, you know, Olympics fever is going to be starting just sort of a few months after. So it's, uh, it's a really exciting time to live in France.
1: Yeah, oh, well, that's that sounds great. And are you likely to get involved in any reportage around that activity?
2: Uh, I hope so I very much hope so so I've really been working on quite a few sort of city guides of where to stay and what to do you know when you're not okay. watching the sport you know I wouldn't back myself as as being able to do any kind of in-depth sports commentary um, but I think you know in terms of, of guides of what people should do and where they should stay you know what, what there is when you're not watching the matches because mm. I'd assume that Most people aren't coming over just to, you know, see one sort of sporting activity and go home. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I hope that I'll be doing a a lot of reporting around.
1: So, have you have you got your stories on a publicly accessible website? So, you know, if there are Aussies who want to visit France, where can they find that?
2: (laughs) So, my website is anna h richards at um, dot com. Anna H H
1: Richards. I think I left the H out once, and God knows how many Anna Richards there are in the world. You've obviously felt you needed to put it in there. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, got it Sadly, right today. there are
2: many, many of us. Make sure the H is in there because yep. um, I think a lot of my emails get lost because people, you know, email another Anna Richards and there are hundreds of us. My parents were not very original with my name, I'm afraid.
1: Oh, well, you've done well. You've done well. Well, Anna, thank mm-hmm. you very much for, for filling us in. Great to have you back. And uh, t- so tell me, what else have you done recently that's interesting? Because um, what, what can our listeners look forward to hearing from you in, a f- in the future?
2: Well, I went on a real holiday, which I, I happily talk to you about, but I'm writing nothing about it. So um, to hear about it, people have to listen to this again. But yeah. I went to, um, to the stans. I went to Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan um, and did absolutely no work whatsoever and travelled for pleasure. And it was delightful.
1: Well, we'll look forward to chatting to you about that, Anna. That sounds terrific.
2: Wonderful. Look forward to
0: it. Anna Richards in Lyon was speaking with Graham Kemlo.
1: Travel Writer's Show on Jair 88FM in Melbourne.
0: And that is Travel Writer's Radio for this week. We'll be back next week at 5pm on Wednesdays, repeated Saturdays from 1 to 3pm here on Jair 88FM in Melbourne, also live on the net at jair.com.au. Our stories are readily available via our website, Travel writers Radio. Travel
1: Writers Radio is a production of Pallet, the professional association of lifestyle and travel writers. So, until next week, it's good night from me, Graeme Kemlo.
0: And good night from me, Helen Hayes. Thank you so much for listening. We are the wild, we are the free, and our fire burns eternally. We'll travel
2: far, far as the eyes can see. We are the
0: wild and free.